You are listening to the Fresh Focus Podcast, where VA dietitian nutritionists are serving up health and wellness information for veterans and their families. In addition to being in clinic, chatting over the phone, or using Video Connect, we are increasing your access with this podcast. Every March, we celebrate National Nutrition Month, and it's a great time to focus on ways to improve our health. This year's theme is inviting everyone to celebrate a world of flavors by embracing global cultures and cuisines. This series provides helpful hints on how and where to start with incorporating more culture, spice, and flavor into your plate. Welcome back to Fresh Focus. I am your host, Beth, and I'm sitting here with another Beth. And if you listen to episode 32, you may remember Bethany, a dietitian from the Louis A. Johnson VA. Thank you so much for being on with me today. Thank you so much for having me. So every year as March rolls around, we celebrate National Nutrition Month. And we as dietitians, we do receive a lot of questions. And we at Fresh Focus asked Bethany to join me today to talk about some of her top commonly asked questions that she gets asked day to day by her veterans and family members. So for all of you out there listening, you may be trying to figure out what number one is. There really aren't in any particular order, but this one probably is the most frequently asked. So what's the healthiest way to lose weight? Healthy and long-lasting weight loss results should include equal parts of diet and exercising. A lot of people think to lose weight, you need to skip meals, but that's actually incorrect. You can just cut calories easily by limiting the amount of days you eat out and start preparing foods more at home. You can cook using olive oil or canola oil and add herbs and spices to boost the flavoring to your meals. I personally like to add onion powder, some garlic powder, and paprika to make the meals more flavorful. The first tip I do have, Beth, is to try to include three to four non-starchy vegetables daily. So you can select two vegetables at lunch and two vegetables for dinner. I would advise making half your plate with vegetables since most of these are lower in calories. Another diet tip would be to write down a goal for yourself weekly, such as walk 30 minutes daily on your lunch hour, or avoid snacking on simple sugars like cookies and cakes and candies, or have a piece of fruit as a snack daily. It's always better to start with small goals and then you can add another goal each week. Another tip I actually have is it's always important to make a grocery list before going to the store. And if you want something sweet, you can grab a piece of fruit instead of snacking on sweets. I would also advise selecting whole wheat products as opposed to enriched wheat or white flour. The whole wheat products contain more fiber, which actually helps you stay fuller longer. And then about exercise, it's very important to exercise. I would encourage you to walk daily at least 30 minutes. And if you can't work out, there are some activities and exercises that you can do when sitting in a chair. So I would consult your physical therapist for more information. Don't get discouraged. If you don't lose weight quickly, just remember to stay with your goal and you'll see the results eventually. Those are some great tips. Um, and also, I know you mentioned the, uh, physical therapy as well, but in the Marion VA, our whole health department does a lot of classes like Tai Chi or yoga. So that could be another option for, for folks out there to add in some exercises too. A lot of times we all get kind of asked the same types of questions. So one of these would be, does a person need to drink eight glasses of water every day? You know, it's hard to believe, but about 60% of the body is made from water. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Water plays a role in keeping all the body system working well. If you're staying hydrated, 
It will help reduce the risk of dehydration and developing kidney stones, along with like urinary tract infections and constipation too. And there are many factors that impact how much water you need, such as your age, gender, activity levels, and overall health. I do have a few vets that have congestive heart failure, and I educate them on limiting their fluid, whereas those that have renal disease may need more fluid. And everybody's individual needs are, are a little bit different between their disease states. So we want to make sure everybody out there listening reaches out to their own local VA dietitian for some more individualized tips as well. Exactly. You can get about 20% of the water just from the food that you're eating. And there's several foods that have higher water content, strawberries, watermelon, cantaloupe, lettuce, and cabbage. They all contain about 90 to 100% water content. For healthy individuals, men need closer to 13 cups of water daily, whereas women need about nine cups. The problem is that many older adults do not feel thirsty and are not aware of the need to drink, resulting in dehydration and UTIs. That seems to be a common issue that I see, Beth. I don't know about you. Yes, and also I get questions throughout each season too. Like a lot of times when it's hot outside and it's humid in the summer, we kind of, you know, remember that we need to drink water, but we can get just as dehydrated at any, any point in time throughout the year. So we always have to remember that. And I like to give them like a, a little clue when I am educating my veterans, a quick way to determine if you actually are hydrated is to check your urine output. So if you're consuming enough fluids, the color of your urine should be like a clear to light pale yellow color. But if you're not consuming enough fluid, it'll be a dark yellow to amber color. So that's a good indication that you may need to drink more water too. I would advise at least half of what you drink should be water. Some suggestions that I have besides drinking water would be a calorie-free flavored water, low sodium vegetable soups and juices like a V8, something similar to that, milk, decaffeinated beverages or herbal teas. Some tips on ways to drink more would be to use large, easy to hold cups, leave a glass of fluid at your bedside, or choose a variety of fluids based on what you like. Drink fluids during and in between meals. Personally, I love to add fresh lemon or cucumbers to my water. I'll put it in a pitcher and put it in the refrigerator. So it's nice and cold and it's a, a natural flavor for me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could do lemons or limes or, I mean, a lot of times it's trying to experiment what you, what you like. You may actually not love icy cold water. You may like room temperature water and that's okay too. You know, so it may just be kind of experimenting on, on that too. Exactly. So next question. Okay. You still with me? How, <laughs> how do I get enough calcium if I don't drink any milk? All right. Well, healthy adults, um, typically between like 19 and 50 should actually try to get a thousand milligrams of calcium per day. And then older adults need more calcium actually. Um, and I would suggest about 1200 milligrams of calcium a day for any adult over the age of 50. So when we think of dairy products, that would be the, a good source of most of our calcium needs, whether that's milk, yogurt, cottage cheese, some other cheeses like mozzarella, hard cheddar are all good sources and rich in calcium. And they also tend to be the best absorbed sources. But don't worry, there are some other good non-dairy sources too, such as fortified cereals, calcium fortified orange juice, dark green leafy vegetables, like spinach, kale, even collard greens. Canned fish 
tofu, sardines, almonds, and beans, along with frozen yogurt and a little bit of ice cream too. <laughs> and fortified plant-based beverages like soy milk are an excellent source of calcium. And again, remember just, you know, always, if you have any questions or, or maybe there's certain things on that list of foods that maybe you aren't getting enough of, always reach out to your local dietitian and, and primary care provider too, um, if, if you have any questions on any supplementation. So how can a person get more vegetables into their diet? This is a question I get a lot of, Beth. Um, and especially, you know, when I do, like we talked about earlier about weight loss, and I really push getting more vegetables in to help with the weight loss. I do educate my veterans on adding a bunch of vegetables when they have making their own sandwiches. So you can add cucumbers, peppers, spinach. Um, you can just pile it on a sandwich and pretty much any vegetable goes. <laughs> That's so true. And, you know, I say this all the time too, where, you know, if you go out and get a sandwich, we get all these fun toppings. So we get all, a lot of vegetables on there, you know, bell peppers and banana peppers and onions and lettuce and spinach, all these vegetables. But if we have just a sandwich at home, what do we put on it? Just meat and bread, you know? So we need to make sure we start adding in those good, colorful vegetables on our sandwiches at home. Absolutely. And, and I always also recommend just starting having a, a salad for one of your meals. And you, again, can top it with corn and cucumbers. My favorites would be like adding some carrots and some snow peas, even broccoli and cauliflower to it. Um, you can toss a bit of salad dressing or balsamic vinegar just to add a little flavor. But a healthier dressing, as most people know, is just olive oil and apple cider vinegar. That's so good in the mornings because it can be difficult to get a lot of vegetables uh, for breakfast. But I do recommend when making like omelets or a quiche or any sort of like scrambled egg in the morning to add, that's when I would add my peppers and onions and broccoli to it. It's really important, like you said, to make sure that you have a colorful plate at each meal. That's another good way to use up some of your leftovers. So if you have some leftover like broccoli and cauliflower and carrots from the night before, throw it in your you know omelet for the next day or, or like an egg scramble. So it's a good way to, to utilize all the stuff in the fridge. And then I do like to buy like fresh raw vegetables. Personally, I cut them up, portion them into plastic bags and use them as a quick grab and go for a snack during the weeks. You can have like celery, baby carrots. Some people like radishes. I don't really prefer them. <laughs> it's an acquired taste for me. <laughs> but uh, you can dip any vegetable into like a hummus or make your own like yogurt dip. Or some people might just use a, a ranch dip for their vegetables too. And then another suggestion would be to try dried vegetables. If you want something crunchy instead of potato chips, I love snacking on kale chips. Have you ever tried those, Beth? Yes, they're so good. And you can make beet chips and even carrot chips too, which are just as delicious. And if you're out there listening, like, of course, the dietitians are telling us not to eat any potato chips, but you can also just start with if you're going to have a snack today or sometime this weekend and have chips and salsa and guacamole, then, you know, have a little bit of chips, but then add in some of these fun vegetables, you know, red bell peppers, or, you know, cut up some zucchini or yellow squash or, you know, carrots and add that with it. So you're still getting the crunch and you're still able to, to enjoy that dip and, and, you know, salsa and guacamole, but not eat a ton of the chips. So you can only just have a few. Absolutely. I would say I also like making soups and that's an easy way to add any like canned or pureed cooked vegetables to make it even heartier in the soup, or you can even do stir fries. That's always a good option as well. I personally enjoy making like a healthy smoothie in the morning. I'll do oh, like I love a, smoothies. I do like some sort of green smoothie and I'll do like kale and spinach, even avocado. And sometimes I'll add either celery or uh, cucumbers and it's a quick, easy go to get all your vegetables in. Absolutely. <laughs> 
And then you might want to uh, also try adding some vegetables like onions, celery, and peppers. That's so easy to add and mince up with hamburgers or meatloaf or even some bean soup. And a lot of my vets actually tell me they, they might hide it in there. So other family members don't know that it's a, a vegetable. <laughs> you know, a lot of the grocery stores, they're trying to enhance the vegetable selection. They're offering more spiral vegetables and that are both fresh and frozen. Yes, and I yes. tried the spiral zucchini and the butternut squash, and they were great. I mean, they also had like beets and sweet potatoes and carrots available too. And you can add that quick and easily to any meal or a salad to whatever your choice is. And the last suggestion I would say is to try to make some grilled vegetable kebabs or if you're getting a pizza or making your own pizza, that's a great way to top off additional vegetables on your homemade pizza. I've always loved that growing up between making our own pizza or going to the grocery store. I remember my parents allowing us to pick out a new vegetable to try. So we would get some odd ones like a, a parsnip or something that we were so young didn't know what it was. And we, right, right. Try, and, try a new food or, or definitely like in season, whichever, whichever is you know, locally grown or, or something like that if you see um, an item that you haven't tried before, or it's been a long time. And you can also check out the Healthy Teaching Kitchen. Um, the VA has a Healthy Teaching Kitchen YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube on the search bar, just search VA Healthy Teaching Kitchen and a lot of fun recipes. And I think there's a, a grilled vegetable kebab video as well. So lots of good things that you can find on there too. I know a lot of us, especially with you working in home-based primary care, and, and you may get this question actually from a family member or a caretaker or a caregiver of some of our, our veterans, especially in the older population, but how do we prevent loss of muscle mass? You know, Beth, I, I get that a lot. I always tell my veterans, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So, I mean, as we age, we just naturally lose some muscle mass. Age-related muscle mass loss is called sarcopenia. And, you know, I read an interesting statistic that said after the age of 30, people that are not physically active can lose an estimated of three to 8% of lean body mass per decade. So, I mean, muscle mass allows us to stand, walk, balance, and lift. If you're not building and maintaining muscle mass, you are at a higher chance of having back pain, overall weakness, mobility issues, and falls. And then it's something that it's hard to think about when someone is 30 and younger and it's like, oh, I, I can walk fine. I'm not having any mobility issues, but really we want to prevent falls forever. So we want to start now and work on that. So those, those are really good points. And, and resistant training may help prevent osteoporosis, which is, you know, as a condition that affects the bones, making them weaker. So sarcopenia and osteoporosis occur gradually because of having inadequate nutrition and lack of physical activity. So it's important to make sure that we're getting enough calcium, vitamin D, and protein consumption, along with the resistant training and weight-bearing exercises to help prevent muscle mass loss. You can simply do exercises in your house, such as push-ups, squats, planks, sideline circles, laying on your back, and just lifting one leg up at a time. I have a vet that isn't very mobile. I just tell him to, when he's sitting in his chair just to lift his legs up one at a time and do several sets that way. And then yoga is also a good way to improve not only balance, but help build muscle mass by increasing flexibility and not to mention decreasing our stress level. <laughs> Absolutely. And go back out if you're listening and, and dealing with a lot of pain issues and, and not able to, to increase some exercise, go back to our Fresh Focus series on pain management and inflammation. There's lots of great information there and a whole episode talking about some exercises and, and things that we can add in. So um, be sure to go check that out. And I just wanted to do a little tidbit because I didn't see, you know, the physical activity guidelines for Americans. They do recommend strength training two to three times a week. And for individuals that want to go to a gym, 
You can use weight-bearing machines and free weights and resistant bands. You want to uh, definitely make sure you're selecting the proper weights to use so you don't cause additional injury to yourself. But ideally, I would recommend to kind of complete between eight and 12 repetitions and work up to two to three sets. And like we said, you can start small and move up. Right, absolutely. And you could even start with using water bottles, you know, as as weights. Start anywhere. Some activity is better than none. Water bottles is good. I I have a couple of vets that even use cans. Yes, yes. mm -hmm. Absolutely. So whether you're exercising in your home or at the gym, it's important to just remember to uh, continue resistance training. It's just crucial for helping your maintaining healthy muscle and bones while improving muscle mass loss. So this question that we get asked quite a bit is is really good following talking about muscle mass loss. Do we need to eat meat to get iron? The quick answer to your question is you don't have to strictly eat iron from meat sources. And that would be called heme iron, which is found in animal products, which is easy for the body to absorb. If you eat heme iron every day, you can get the proper amount of iron needed in your diet. Non-heme comes from plant-based sources, and that's found in vegetables and grains, beans, fortified cereals like grits or oatmeal, prune juice, lentils, spinach, and other plant-based foods. I recommend my veterans to pair a high vitamin C food such as oranges and pineapple, peppers, broccoli with an iron source meal because this actually helps increase the absorption of iron in the body. And it's just something Good to know is typically like most men who are 19 years and older and women over the age of 51 actually need about eight milligrams of iron a day, whereas women between the age of 19 and 50 need a little more iron, which is 18 milligrams a day. The last one is, so what are some tips to reduce sodium in our diet? Sodium plays many important roles in the body to function properly, but eating too much sodium actually raises blood pressure, increases the risk of stroke and can reduce the effects of some medication and can cause fluid to build up in the body, which can further damage your heart, liver, and make your kidneys work harder. A a little side story. I have a veteran (laughs) that said he wasn't adding salt to his meals. He he didn't think he was getting sodium in his diet at all. When I went through, did a dietary recall, looked at his, in his cupboards, he was actually eating a lot of high processed foods. He had a lot of frozen entrees. He was having like ham and turkey lunch meat sandwiches daily. He was having some snack food, some granola bars, some chips, those cheese sticks too. And he was on top of that, he was telling me that he was adding condiments daily to his food. So whether it was the soy sauce, barbecue sauce, mayo, even gravy, I mean, all of this was contributing to his edema. So I had to kind of educate him, even though he wasn't adding salt, he's still getting a lot of of sodium in his diet. He was doing great by not adding extra salt, but there's still a lot of salt and sodium that we, we don't even realize a lot of times if we're not looking and paying attention. Exactly. And I did try to educate because you, and this goes for anybody, we really need to look at, you know, the nutrition facts food label on it to see how much sodium is in the products that we're eating because it adds up very quickly. It's important to remember the products that state reduced sodium or lower sodium may still be high in sodium. So you really need to look at that nutrition facts food label because companies may be tricking you uh, thinking that the product is lower when it's not. And and I always say to really cut out sodium. I mean, the best method is to try to cook from scratch, cook from home. Um, You can control your sodium intake by using fresh and frozen fruits and vegetables, fresh meats compared to the processed foods like your sausage, your ham and hot dogs, which are higher in sodium. 
And then when cooking your meals, you know, feel free, like we kind of talked about earlier, to add different seasonings, some onion or garlic powders, spices in replace of salt. And there are salt substitutes that contain potassium instead of sodium. But I would recommend to speak with your doctor or your dietitian before taking it because you might be getting too much potassium in your body, which can cause other problems as well. But an easy tip to remember would be to drain and rinse out canned foods. And if you are eating out, um, you'll want to just choose carefully because restaurants can be high in sodium. You can ask your food to be prepared without salt. Um, Also, a big one, I would say, Beth, is to make sure people taste their food first before adding salt. (laughs) Taste it first, everybody out there listening. But I would say when looking at the menu, try to avoid foods that may say pickled, smoked, cured, soy sauce, things like that. Those are all going to be high in salt. And you can also ask for salad dressings and sauces to be served on the side. And the last thing I do want to say on this is just remember to control your portion sizes. A smaller portion equals less sodium, and you can take the rest home for another day. (laughs) Absolutely. That helps food budgeting, too. So when you go to a restaurant and you get half of it, you eat half of it then, and then, you know, eat the rest of it for lunch the next day. I love all of your tips. Thank you for coming on, talking about the most common questions we get as dietitians. And reach out to your primary care provider at the VA or your local dietitian to help best guide you to helping with planning your your plate and personalizing with your individualized needs. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Thanks again to Bethany for, for joining me today. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and leave a review.